Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Attendance Bias. I am your host, Brian Weinstein. However, this episode is unlike any other that has aired since Attendance Bias first came on the scene. Today is the first episode of a three-part miniseries called Flocking Outside, a miniseries about goose from Three Fish Lifers. Yes, like anyone listening to this episode, I've been consumed by chatter, mentions, insults, and endless back and forth about Goose. I mean, this isn't anything new. I first heard about Goose probably around three years ago as the new talented upstarts in the jam band scene. And like I had during the hype of dozens of other bands who came and went during Fish's long-held tenure atop the scene, I waited it out and I thought Goose would disappear as quickly as they had made their way into our consciousness. But instead, the opposite happened. It seems that every other day, or even every other hour, Goose gets greater hype and gains more fans. While I'm normally cynical and pretty dismissive of stuff like this, I was surprised by their staying power, and I wanted to know what they were about. I wanted to know if and how they were different from other come-and-go jam bands. And most importantly... I really wanted to know what about their whole experience inspires passion and devotion from their fans. If you haven't been able to tell by now, I'm not really a Goose fan. I don't know enough about them, and that's why we're here. These are not easy questions to answer, so I reached out to two people who I trust, Brian Brinkman and Megan Glyona from the Helping Friendly podcast on Osiris Media. Both Brian and Megan have appeared on Attendance Bias as guests, and I've been in touch with both of them outside the world of podcasting. Not only are they each great communicators, but I also trust their musical tastes, even though we don't always agree. And, most importantly in this case, they're both big, big fans of Goose. They were the perfect two people to help answer my questions about the band. So if you're about to turn off this podcast simply because you heard the name Goose, I implore you to keep it on. Because I would be in your exact shoes. Like I said, I'm not a huge fan, but I'm here to learn. This episode, episode one, is to help answer the who and the what about Goose. If you're a Goose fan, you may get some basic information and a few different thoughts on the band. If you're Goose curious, like me, this episode may help steer you in which direction to start. So please join myself, Megan, and Brian for episode one of Flocking Outside. I knew I was missing something. I wanted to see what I was missing. And if I didn't like it, I wanted to know why I didn't want to get into it. Um, Everyone who's listening, who's listened to Attendance Bias, knows I'm a teacher. And I want to be as informed as possible. The cheesy thing that teachers say is, as a teacher, I'm a lifelong learner. So I want to do that as a music fan. And when I'm surrounded by people mentioning Goose, including the two of you and many others who whose music taste and opinions I respect, and I just don't get it. I want to know what it's about. I want to get to the bottom of it. And then maybe as a aside, as a hopefully bonus point, maybe I'll really like them, but that remains to be seen. So in, in many ways, I relate to a lot of what you said, because I, <clears throat> I take a similar approach to listening to music. If I hear a name being tossed around and I just don't know it, I try to, give it a really fair listen and, you know, dive into a couple albums. If it's a jam band, I try to check out a few shows and then kind of make my mind up. And, you know, for me, why I'm here and why I've taken such an interest in Goose goes back to kind of where I was at in 2019, which at that point in time, if you had told me that I would 
have discovered a new jam band and be listening to them on the same level that I'm listening to fish, be thinking about them, be trying to understand their history, trying to understand, you know, intentionality within music and trying to understand like different approaches from an improvisation standpoint, hearing their songs on a regular basis, you know, learning the lyrics, all that kind of introspection and time that comes with listening to a jam band. I would have told you you were crazy. I thought I had just enough time in my life to listen to fish. And then I had all this other music that I wanted to discover. Cause for me, it's not just about jam bands. I have to have a foot in indie rock. I have to have a foot going through classic rock. I have to uh, listen to a bunch of jazz. I have to listen to hip hop. I have to get a sense of kind of where everything is at. And just part of the reason I started a podcast for fish fans to listen to music. That's not fish. So when I first heard about goose, I was like, I just don't care. I, I didn't care. I didn't really want to dive into it because I was like, if I like this, how much time and energy I'm going to have to focus on this. And if I don't like it, what does it matter at that point? Do I even have the time for it? And very close friend of this pod, of other pods, of fish pods in general, Mr. RJB was the, he was the Sherpa for so many of us in late 2019. They play the Peach Festival. They play this incredible set of music that kind of, consolidates all of their music down into one kind of 90 minute set where you hear all different varieties of the band. And it was a great intro set, kind of like those, uh, like a, uh, 611 94 would be for fish where you hear a show and you're just like, okay, this is the band in one package. But I remember he was pushing that set and he was pushing other sets. And for me, it wasn't until the fall that I started to hear some of their covers that pull from the indie rock world. And I started to hear their jamming that sounds like they are listening to bands like the war on drugs, bands like the national uh, bands like vampire weekend and expanding on the soundscapes. I love from those bands. I didn't hear to my ears kind of this approach that I tend to hear across the jam band world, especially with a lot of young jam bands that were rising in the late 2010s, which focused on just kind of let's just, go maximalist as possible. Let's blow the doors off from a jam and just go as long as we possibly can. There was a dedication towards melody and earworms that would build and build and build. That would be the connective force. And from there, you know, the pandemic comes, songs are written. The band just becomes a part of my life and becomes a part of my overall uh, friend group. And they've become this uh, aspect for me, both musically and socially on a level with fish that I just, I just didn't think was possible. So for me being here, I think that there's an aspect of, um, it's a cathartic exercise to talk through, like, what, what does this band mean to me? Why do they mean so much to me? Um, I think that there's a lot of interesting nuance and discussion to get into around, like, what does this band actually mean versus, you know, if, if I'm not feeling it, is there a reason why I'm not feeling it? Is there something I'm looking for that may not be there? But also, you know, just to explore and converse about the history of a band that I just absolutely love uh, with two excellent people here who I love talking music with, um, all those kind of combine around, you know, why I'm sitting here right now and excited about what we're about to talk about. I'm excited to hear about it all. Megan, what are your thoughts as we just get started on this conversation? I'm so excited to do this with you too. I love talking music with both of you. And to me, you're kind of on opposite sides of this coin, like someone who really knows a lot about Goose and is really into them and someone who's interested in learning about it, which is so exciting. I really wanted to be here because 
everyone is talking about this. And I remember when everyone had these kinds of feelings about the Grateful Dead and fish, and we didn't have a place to talk about it. You know, we didn't have podcasts, we didn't have the internet. And obviously those voices amplify this discussion, but I feel like it's everywhere. And so I just really wanted to get an opportunity to talk about it and talk about it with people who who I really respect and also give people who don't know much about Goose a place to go to find out, you know, and to start learning about them. I thought that was really exciting. So I felt like being part of that conversation was really inspiring to me. And also just getting to talk about Goose because I'm really in that exciting phase with them where Pandora's box has just been open for me. I heard about them after their peach set, like Brian was talking about, and then quarantine happened and I was in the mountains and I was cooking a lot and playing a lot of music in my kitchen and my family was like enough with fish. And so I just started (laughs) playing Goose and I started playing a lot of their studio stuff, like just on Spotify and Apple Music. And I was listening to a lot of of more of their studio work, which is interesting because it's not really the way I usually find out about jam bands. And similar to Brian, I don't listen to a lot of other jam band music besides Fish and the Grateful Dead. Otherwise, I listen to lots of different kinds of music. But I was so intrigued by them. I felt they're just different than other bands I'd heard. I felt like their lyrics were just super compelling to me. And I was just kind of intrigued by them. And so when they streamed the Goosemiss show on the top of Rockefeller Center at the end of 2020, that was the first time I ever streamed one of their shows. And I think we're going to talk more about it, but it's a really amazing, high quality production value experience to watch. And they came out in these like orange jumpsuits with these like synths being laid down. And it was just very emotional moment on the top of Rockefeller Center with the holiday lights up and everybody's, you know, it's still pandemic. And it just felt very iconic. And I thought it was super courageous of them. And they came out in these funny jumpsuits. And then you see Peter with this huge mustache and like a winter hat on. And I just thought, who are these guys? And immediately I realized that that's what's so interesting about this band too, is that they all have different personalities and they're really accessible to the public in a way that I think is super smart and also just adds to this feeling of like wanting to get to know who they are and what they bring to the band. And so after that, it took me a while to see them, but I saw them at um, Radio City last summer and I I was blown away. Brian, you and I hung out before the show and maybe I was hyping them up a little bit too much to you, but I was like really, really, really excited to see them. We'll get and, into it. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe that was wrong with me, but I was super pumped and I was blown away. Three sets at Radio City, an acoustic set. They played Jack I was floored. I was about five rows back and I just could not get over their polish. I was texting you, Brian, about it after like their hypnotic groove. I could not stop dancing. I was super into it. And then the next night I was not supposed to go and then... Kevin Brinkman, Brian's brother, offered me a ticket because he couldn't make it. And I pissed off my entire family and went to the show with Trey because I knew he was coming. And You went with Trey? Yeah, I went with Trey. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, I was at the show with Trey and uh, no, and um, that was amazing. I actually went to that show and like I had friends there, but I didn't have a seat with them. And so I was sitting by myself, which is very, not something I do very often. And it really gave me this opportunity to just kind of like focus on them. And I was so inspired. And so then I just tried to see them whenever I could. And after the last night at the Cap Theater, I saw that show. I couldn't believe the flow 
and the energy from that show. And afterwards, I went home and I listened to the whole entire cap run. That was like a perfect kind of encapsulation of them because they played a ton of their catalog and to do mm-hmm. five nights sold out at the cap, have the energy. I thought the last night was the best night to have that sort of energy and maintain that through a five night run. I just felt like this band is, they've got it. So then I just listened to the whole entire leg of that spring tour and they're now just a band that I want to listen to more than anything else. It's really exciting. So I'm here to learn more about them too. And also to talk to you two about it and bring my emotional opinions about music. And something I'm interested to find out about is the context. Like where did these guys Mm -hmm. come from? Because you mentioned Megan just now, 2019, that was four years ago, which it doesn't sound like it was that long ago, but four years is a lifetime for a lot of bands, right? The Beatles were only together for what, seven years. (laughs) You know, it's, it's a, it's a, long amount of time for a band for at least half of that time approximately was not actively touring because they couldn't because the infrastructure wouldn't allow them to do so but i want to know where do these guys come from i know connecticut i'll put it this way uh in 2011 i think it was the spring of 2011 i went with my family to the moma the museum of modern art and there was an exhibit on german expressionism And I knew kind of what it was, you know, these 1920s to 1930s films and paintings where everything is kind of abstract and it's regular landscapes, but they're tilted with very dark, shadowy colors. And I'd seen old German films like M and Metropolis and things like that. And I'd enjoy them on the surface, but I didn't have any understanding of culturally what was going on at the time and why they were made and why they looked the way they did. And I found out, you know, I don't want to go into a whole art history lesson, but going to the museum helped me understand and appreciate them on a completely different level. So when, Brian, when you talk about the Peach Fest, I want to know where were they before then? You know, who are their influences? You talked about some of their cover songs, which I haven't heard any. I've seen them on set list, but I haven't heard them play them. So who are these guys, musically speaking, from where did they come And also what makes them so different from the hundreds of other mid-level jam bands that in 2000 to 2008 were all supposed to make that big leap. Mm -hmm. You know, like Mm -hmm. why, you know, Mo hasn't played any venue really bigger than the venues they were playing in 2000. They, Mm -hmm. I remember a time when they were going to be the next big jam band in quotes. Goose seems to really be making those huge leaps. I want to know what makes them special. So, I mean, like quick encapsulation of the past, like leading up to Peach, um, a number of these guys went to Berkeley College of Music, uh, Rick, Trevor, Jeff, I know for sure, Rick, the guitarist, usually the lead singer, Trevor, their bassist, Jeff, their um, percussionist, Rick and Peter, who plays keyboards and guitars, had a relationship at some point prior to Goose starting. Peter had a band called Great Blue. Rick had a band called uh, The Pseudo, and around 2016, the origins of Goose kind of start to take shape. There's actually a really interesting uh, show of theirs that you can watch on YouTube from October 2016, where they're literally just a wedding band, and it's Rick, Trevor, Ben, and um, uh, a keyboardist. Who, I, I don't know the name of him, but um, if you, if you kind of youtube uh search goose 2016 2017 2018 you can see these like slight uh uh increases 
in um, professionalism, in terms of their overall playing, they were basically just playing bars around um, the Northeast. And you get this mix of fish covers, a couple Grateful Dead covers, some of the original Goose songs, you know, the Jives, Tumble, Madhuvan, some of these kind of foundational Goose songs, which really set the tone for the band that melody is really, really essential. And having like an earworm riff in the same way that, as I referenced, you know, your um, Vampire Weekends, your national, your your indie rock bands of the tw- 2000s and 2010s, where, you know, the idea with the band was kind of originated, or the idea of like their songwriting was originated around riffs and was originated around soundscapes. It was originated around lyrics, but also like this deconstructionalism that was happening from a production standpoint behind the surface and trying to figure out how do you reshape a very traditional song. And so you started to hear that with Goose from a songwriting standpoint. And, 2017, you know, there's a great uh, uh, video up of them playing at a bar where like you can't see anyone in the front row. You can hear, you know, individual voices, you know, shouting out song names. The drummer or the uh, percussionist at the time is on a cell phone for like the first two songs. Like it's very, very low production, but you can see in Rick, Ben and Trevor that there's like some real dedication there. And, and, and every step you especially see Rick from a guitar standpoint starts to take those steps up where he's no longer just playing kind of standard pentatonic blues solos. He's really, you know, incorporating his own vision and his own tone and his own ideas into solos. And, um, obviously incorporating his, uh, his heroes. He was a big fish fan, um, big grateful dead fan, but also a huge indie rock fan, a huge fan of Peter Gabriel Genesis of, of bands from the, from the eighties that, um, you know, really experimented sonically in a way that at the time sounded a little bit too technical 10 years later sounded cheesy, but now there's that kind of sweet spot of, okay, I'm really there for the synths. I'm really there for the gated drums. And you, you start to hear that influence in goose 2018, Peter joins the band by the end of the year. And 2018 is really where you start to see what modern goose is going to look like. Um, at this point they have, I want to say somewhere between 20 and 40 of their core songs that are, that have already been written. They're playing festivals. They're playing uh, a ton of shows. I mean, you're playing, you know, 90 to hundred shows uh, a year, small bars. And by the time we get to 2019, you can kind of think about that as the same era that fish was at when they got to 1989, 90, 91, where the foundation is set. Whereas fish, it was, let's throw Zappa, Genesis, King Crimson, Led Zeppelin, uh, Van Halen, all into a blender and just like put it on and, and it just like all mixes up these sounds, all mixes up this, this, uh, these influences and a, you know, typical fish song from the era, you think about something like foam, you have out elements of prog rock mixed with, you know, these really quiet, just like beautiful passages and mixed with, uh, you know, Latin and Caribbean influences. And, um, it's got these really creepy lyrics that sound like they have been written from a storybook era and the song kind of rocks, but it also is really weird. And you can sit there and stroke your chin while listening to it, but you can also somehow dance to it. And people have figured out a way to dance to a song like foam. 
you think about that with Goose and you think about songs I referenced it earlier, but like Madhavan is kind of like one of the elemental Goose songs to hear at an early stage because lyrically um, it's incredibly introspective. It's about this kind of awakening period that, uh, that, that Rick goes through. Um, it's, it's got spiritual uh, undertones. It's a lot about materialism, not necessarily being a, an important value in his life, but is still a struggle in his life. And musically, it goes from heavy riffing to uh, very catchy choruses and verses, and it drops into an open jamming space. And so that kind of sets a foundation of kind of where you can anticipate Goose going. And you hear that. Or there's a great version of that. There's a great version of Arcadia from that Peach set that really sets the foundation for a listener of who this band is. I just want to make sure before we go any further, Madhavan, that's the one that I've been calling Mudhaven the whole time. Probably. Yeah. yeah that would be that would be the one, yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That'd be the one. Yeah. I mean, when I think about what sets Goose apart is that, you know, I think the best bands are able to take their influences and make it something of their own. Right. Mm. And so I think that when you think about the way that the Grateful Dead took like early rock and roll and, you know, folk and Americana and and rock early rock and turned it into what the Grateful Dead does best. And Fish took, you know, what Brian was talking about, their influences. And Goose does that as well. And I think that that sets them apart from other kind of like mid-tier jam bands who have been around a long time um, and have never broken forward past that is because it has to be unique enough and compelling enough. And I also think the songwriting is just on another level. I think that to me one thing that people kind of talk about goose in a negative way is their how polished they are but that's because their songs are truly excellent and i think that listening to their lyrics has been something that it's the first band in so long that i've studied like the way i study bob dylan or the way i got into the grateful dead or fish like when i would open up you know the cassette tapes of rift and just for hours look at it like i was rewatching that piece set recently and like looking at lyrics and reading them because they're poetry. And I think that they've been able to find that. And I think also what happened for them too, when Brian was saying that Peter joined, I've read an article where they were interviewing Rick about this. And he was saying that, you know, in 2017, before Peter joined 2016, they were playing really small venues and unable to fill them and couldn't figure out what was going on. And Rick is super introspective and like he's that kind of like moody lead guitarist you know you don't really know how he's feeling he's kind of internal and they needed like a front man 
And Peter brought this joie de vie and this like energy and this ability to talk to the crowd. I mean, I from what he said, he's worked on that, but it's truly authentic. And I think that energy is something that made the band seem kind of more complete. And so I think also he's an incredible songwriter. And I think together they've been, they're an incredible team. And so I think that was kind of, to me, the missing piece. So it's one of those things where it's a balance of originality and also finding the right people at the right time. So you've both mentioned this Peach Fest set that seemed to be something of a either a breakthrough or a perfect encapsulation, I think you said, Brian, of like, if you're first getting into the band, here is your starter kit. And then 2020 comes around and the whole world shuts down. I know, Megan, you brought this up uh, with their Rockefeller Center uh, set. I The only thing I knew about them was that I heard their about their bingo uh, shows and I didn't know what it meant. I wasn't interested. Uh, I'm a little bit interested now. But that seems to be what really changed the dynamics in terms of popularity and people saying, oh, my God, have you heard about Goose? Have you heard Goose yet? People wearing shirts or hats. That to me, that is where I first heard them. What happened in 2020 that brought them from this band that is just maybe size 12 font on a festival to maybe they're jumping up to maybe size 17? And this yeah, coming, you get to the point. This coming summer, they're they're like size twenty four. They're co-headlining with Tab now. Right? Festivals. Yeah. I was gonna say, like, you get to the point where your own iconic uh, font for your band name that suddenly appears. Like, that's the big step. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's, yes. You're not just like in the regular font. Like, it's now like the goose cursive. Um, <laughs> goose cursive. So, uh, just one last note about the Peach Fest because one thing that makes that set really fascinating is they were playing a, a, in a, in late afternoon on kind of a smaller side stage, and if you look at the video of it, it is the 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 entire area where the crowd is is just like it's overflowing with people um people were standing in the woods listening to the show there was there was a hype that had been building for early throughout early 2019 in that area and it all kind of coalesces at that set where both they get this huge crowd they play all of their big songs and they play all of their big songs just like in a perfect perfect manner the other thing i cannot I believe say, brian that i was at that set and didn't see it like i was at the peach and i was watching green sky bluegrass on the main stage and i didn't even know about that goose was playing there, and it's devastating to watch. Oh, that that's set not out. a loss, though. To have a green sky bluegrass is great. Ah. I, I'm not saying they're not great, but as a huge goose fan, it's a huge loss for me. Sorry, well, I didn't you, mean to interrupt you. I'll do you one better though, because oh, no. that that is a huge loss. I, I get it. Um, fall 2019 was when I started to listen to Goose, and there's there's one show in particular. Um, their Buffalo set from from November 2019, where they play a 30 minute version of the song Drive.
And that was kind of that next point where I remember logging onto Twitter that night and everyone was talking about this. And yeah. it was the type of, they immediately put it out on their socials and they just showed a clear knack to market themselves. Where if you were curious, you didn't have to put in a ton of work to find them. They came to you and they came to you in a way that felt in line with the best marketers out there. And I think for a lot of people, that's part of the reason why they don't like Goose is because they are so good at marketing themselves. Yes. And that feels inauthentic to certain people. For me at that point in time, it just made it easier for me to say, I'm going to check them out. You guys have a pro shot video of you playing this huge jam. I'm going to dive into this. Well, you're making a really compelling case because I think the traditional idea of a band, you know, this is a silly phrase to hear me say it, who has never been in the music business for a day in my life, but to say, oh, they have to earn it. You know, they have to play bars for 10 years until they get a break. And that'll, you know, the traditional, the sort of, you know, the, that thing you do kind of way of earning a living as a band. But it seems like you said Goose is better at marketing. It seems like they, they've already done it. Like, what do they do, though? What Brian, what does well, that look like? Or, yeah, Megan, what does that look like that they're good at marketing? Well, I was just going to say they hired a professional videographer from very early on that was taking really high quality videos of them. So that was something they just did from the beginning. And then Peter worked at a podcasting company for a while. And so he has a lot of editing skills and he also releases all of their live music on Nugs. And I remember reading an interview where they were talking about that they were first thinking about just releasing like their best shows. And Brad Sterling was like, no, you need to release everything and as soon as possible, because that's what keeps people super engaged. And so they've done that. And yeah, I think that the the videos that they shot, even the peach is really high quality. And I think that makes mm -hmm. a big difference. It makes, I mean, that video has 400,000 views almost. It's like 398,000 views on YouTube. We'll have 398,001 because after we're done with this, I'm going to check out what you guys are talking about because I got to know. It's incredible. And it's right. incredible too because Rick is, he, something's wrong with his knee and he's sitting in a chair the whole time. And, and he's, he's still, still just absolutely he tore his ACL crushes. He's still just crushing it, yeah. He crushes um, it. And then at the end too, Peter's up there and he's saying, Claude the end of said, he's like, we're goose. And um, he, or he's like, you know what we're called? We're goose. And a couple of people do the goose chant. And he's like, what is it? Say it again. And they, they do it. And it's, they're encouraging that kind of insider knowledge. You know, those are the things that Fish did, right? And that, that builds community and it builds like a, if you're in the know feeling, smart. And I would say as well, like turning to 2020, um, and the one thing just to put a bone it, um, they came to Denver in December 2019 on the same night that Fish was webcasting from Charleston, South Carolina. I opted to webcast the Fish show. It was a good Fish show. Um, I was there. Just okay. Yeah. It, it was all right. And it, it wasn't <laughs> it was a very fun, good tour. It was fine. Yeah, it was not um, But I was like, well, I'll just see Goose next year when they come back to Denver. And of course, they wouldn't come back for 18 months. And it would be a very different scenario. Oh, it was the last time I would have a chance to see them in a bar. Um, but that said, going into 2020, they they open up, they do this opening tour for Pigeons Playing Ping Pong. And they continue this, like that drive comes out on video. But if you watch that, suddenly your YouTube algorithm tells you 
hey, you should check this out. And suddenly there's a whole library of goose jams that are available that are pro shot. Um, it's clearly curated in the same fashion that Fish started doing it in the early part of 3.0, where a show ends, they play this stunning jam, and the next day on Twitter, you log on and Fish has released the Choctaw's Torture from Randall's Island. And everyone's like, that's the jam you should have released. Amazing job. And you just get this experience as you're starting to follow this band. Very different from what it was like when I got into Fish 20 years ago, where you want more and the band is going to give you more. And this all builds towards the bingo tour that pigeons tour that i mentioned that they open for they're releasing great jams they're playing really well they only have an hour-long set sometimes as we saw in the taboos tour goose really thrives when they only have an hour-long set because they still have a small enough uh catalog that if they're going to play six of their biggest songs, they're like literally their biggest songs. These are, you know, if fish is playing a festival set where they're playing a tweezer, you enjoy myself, Mike's groove, you know, that sort of, uh, set listing. And there's really great performances. The band was clearly taken another step up at, by the end of the tour, they were playing equal amount of set time with pigeons because the crowd clearly was demanding that goose play longer, that goose give them like a, a fuller show. And, then the pandemic hits. And when the pandemic hits, pretty much all music goes offline. And I, at the time, was doing a lot of work trying to get a lot of these indie rock bands I love who were immediately out of work, had no idea about live streaming, was trying to bring bands on to Osiris for live shows during the pandemic. And we got a few to, to do a few shows, but a lot of artists were really concerned about gathering about the image of gathering, about the image of being in confined spaces. And Goose kind of used that period in time between March and June to their benefit, where they started releasing acoustic sets and jam sessions from literally their parents' houses. They had no place else to go. They were going through the proper procedures of testing themselves, releasing information about that. And then two days later, you get a video of a full show of theirs. And so during a period in time where there was no real music being shared, Sports weren't even back. We were we were just on total tape delay from, you know, March to June 2020. The only thing that you really had from a news standpoint in terms of new music was Goose. And getting to your point of the bingo tour, the biggest thing about that tour was June 2020, they're the only band on tour. And by this point in time, they've been able to work with their team to bring in high-quality videographers in a studio setup that's really cool, really appealing, and really kind of introduce people to A, what does their music sound like? B, what is their personality like? C, what is their sense of humor? And you could walk out of that tour, I would argue, knowing fully, is this band for me or is this band not for me? I webcast two shows from that tour. It was the first time I really did like a live, you know, immediacy, uh, goose goose uh um set up and they really set up the tour the same sort of way that um it reminded me of 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 you know old school fish in a lot of cases where they had all of their song names plus challenges like 15 minute jam no drums jam you know all these sort of like exercises if you will like from Esker, asterisks then yeah exactly yeah, like gimmicks. exactly yeah yeah they're little gimmicks just to you know kind of the way that fish utilized um the yes and uh, aspect of uh, within their jamming practices, you were seeing that live. And so watching these shows was both an 
an eye into what are these songs because they would show you on the screen. This is the song that has been chosen. So you as a noob are able to learn, oh, this is Wisteria Lane that everyone keeps talking about. This is Arcadia. This is this is Jive 2 versus Jive 1. Um, and so you had the kind of a learning opportunity as a new fan. But also, you know, you got their sense of humor and you had moments where there'd be, you know, improv comedy, there'd be push-ups uh, competitions, there'd be, uh, you know, band rotating and, and playing other each other's instruments. So you get to see that they're, you know, not just skilled in their own instruments, they're skilled across the board. And I remember walking out of that specifically, there was um, uh, a factory fiction, there was a Doc Brown in the, I believe the 625 shows, the second to last night, where improvisationally, I just went on a journey with the band and I followed them, you know, in terms of what was going on. And I mentioned this a little while ago, but like, it wasn't this sprawling jam where it felt like anything could happen and it was abstract and it could fall apart. felt like they were taking elements of 80s heartland rock and applying it to a jam and giving you the sense that that three or four minute heartland rock song that you just want to like blast while you're on a road trip is now 18 to 20 minutes and goes through multiple segments based around riffs that rise up and fall back down and then they adjust and they move into a new segment and so thematically i was like i'm hearing something in this band that I haven't personally heard in a number of other jam bands. And maybe that's just foundationally where my own musical ears and my own musical interests come from. What I'm hearing from this band is something I want to continue hearing more of. And we'll get to this in a second, but you know, you fast forward three months, we're still in the pandemic. Winter is coming. Goose is one <laughs> of the only bands that is touring and they're playing these drive-in shows releasing all of them on YouTube the day after releasing them on nugs.net. And so even during 2020, when so much of the world is on pause as a listener, discovering a new band, I'm not just going through their back catalog. I'm hearing how they're evolving in the moment. And you have nowhere else to go. You got nowhere else to go. So you're just, yeah, 
It's the only game in town. I, I think that's it's when awesome. I first really, I'm sorry, Megan. I, I think that's when I first became aware of Goose was the images of that drive-in tour, not the music, just what it looked like. Hi, everybody. Brian here to welcome you to the set break of today's episode of Attendance Bias. First, thank you for listening. And second, just a quick reminder to tell you that even though Attendance Bias comes to you for free, it does take a lot of work and it does take quite a bit of money to keep the lights on here at production. So I just wanted to ask a small favor if you could support the podcast in any number of the following ways. If you could leave a review or a rating of it on whichever podcast app you use. If you could spread the word telling a friend or someone you think may be interested in it about it. Or probably the most concrete way is to go to www.buymeacoffee.com slash attendance bias and donate however much you can financially to help with the continuing costs of attendance bias. So thank you again so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy the second half of today's episode. I'm sorry I cut you off, Megan. I just that triggered a memory. No, that's okay. I was just thinking when I reflect back on this, I think it's so incredible what the band did during this time. You know, the end of 2019, they are really on an upswing. Like they're starting to go back to cities and sell out shows. Like all of their shows in the end of 2019 are sold out. And Peter talked about this that they were booking early 2020 and they were had played New York on um, New York City on Halloween in 2019. And they were booking shows in January in New York City, two shows. And they weren't sure if people would buy tickets because they had just been there. And they sold out in two minutes, you know, one at the Williamsburg Music Hall and one at the Bowery Ballroom. You know, those are like capacity, like 650, 700, and they sold them out right away. And so they're starting to get all this momentum and they're figuring out they can sell like much bigger rooms. And then the pandemic happens and it's just, it must have been so gutting for them. And I think that the fact that they were able to like find this creativity and they've talked about the bingo tour and how this was actually an idea that they used to joke about before the pandemic about doing something like this. And so then when everything was shut down, they decided they did a few of these live from out here streams in March. And then they decided to do this summer virtual tour. And they decided the bingo tour be a way for, you know, to become more interactive with their fans, which I think is so genius. And so something Fish would have done, like you were saying, Brian. And when Rick has reflected on this bingo tour, he said that without the crowd in the room, there was less of an immediate need to like pop off and like melt faces. And so they were able to kind of visit some of those like quieter, stiller places in their jams. And I don't know enough about Goose to know if this is true, but it seemed like it probably really affected them musically. So this is a chance for them to actually grow musically as well. This is also when Jeff joins the band, the percussionist. So he does his first show with the band on the bingo tour, which is so courageous. Like you're stepping up for the first time and you don't know what song is going to be pulled. You know, that's just, it's awesome. So I think it was a really exciting time for them and just so incredible that they did this and were able to capitalize on it in such a strong way. And that must bring us to Goosemas, what you mentioned way at the beginning of the episode, right, Megan? So yeah, Brian, this what was, was that about? So just touching on the, the drive-in tour, specifically musically, there are moments on this tour. And if you think back to the fall of 2020, there was a lot of impending doom at that point in time. <laughs> yes. um, you know, we'd, we'd gone through the first wave summer. I think we all learned a lot about what the virus was because we were seeing uh, waves coming during the summer that 
everyone had been told it was, you know, summer was going to feel relatively normal and suddenly you're inside for most of the summer. Um, we get into the fall. There's just expectations that there's just going to be waves and waves that come over the next six months. And after everything we've been through, like, do, can we go through that again and have it be even more intense? We have this looming election. There's just a lot going on that's creating a ton of negativity. Seeing this band tour was one of the only elements of normalcy. Even at this point in time, like the freaking World Series and the NBA Finals are happening at the exact same time, which as a sports fan, oh my God, like this has been like my dream to like combine these, but it was too much. <laughs> it was way too much. And it was like, what do I do? Like, how, how do I... I can't watch the NBA finals in October. What is going on? It was insane. Um, but musically speaking, the 916-2020 Madhavan, uh, the October 2nd, 2020 Time to Flee, uh, the October 3rd, uh, 2020 um, uh, All I Need, the November 7th, 2020 Arrow were just significant jams that for me, as I was hearing these jams um, uh, kind of take shape and hearing the band listen to each other with a little bit further depth and hearing them incorporate more synths from um, from Peter and Jeff start to figure out his way into the band in a way that was less just like kind of supportive and more he was his, his, you know, his, his ideas and his voice was coming out. We then got notification that on December 11th, they were going to have their annual Goosemas event and they were going to have it similar to the bingo tour in the round isolated and they do it at Rockefeller center. Now I can't get into, and I have no idea about the like financial logistics and, and, you know, how they secured this spot at this point in time. Um, yeah, I would that's imagine, what I, was wondering. I, I don't, I don't know personally, but I would imagine there wasn't a ton of competition uh, at this point for, for booking, yeah. it, but also it was kind of just like take advantage of it. Um, and I think that a lot of what we love about goose is the sense that, Hey, if no one's telling us, no, let's just try something, even if it's a level above where we may be as a band. And so as Megan noted, it was this very sparkling presentation. It both had holiday vibes to it, which Goosemas always does at its absolute best but it felt like a band that was looking towards the future and it had like symbolic elements of a band looking towards what's next. Um, similar to the peach fest, you have just like a phenomenal set list from start to, to finish. So you have this just like experience of, you know, it's a Friday night. It is close to the holidays. Nobody's going out. Everyone has canceled all travel plans and you have an experience of, of, of watching this band take another step forward and knowing that, for all the shit that's happened in 2020, this band has made the most of it and they've made as much as can possibly be made. And now they're closing out the year with a really big statement and playing a really high quality show. And at this point, everyone's starting to think that as we can get through this winter, we're going to be back seeing shows at some point. So for someone like myself, I think Megan, you're very similar in this sort of way. It was kind of that final stamp up for me of like, okay, when we can go see live music again, I'm going to see Goose. I'm not going to let a fish webcast get in the way again. I'm going to see this band. I'm going to see what this is all about. And I'm going to keep trying to discover more about them. Yeah. And it seems right around this time was when fish fans who were also trapped at home doing nothing but being on their computers uh, were at their best and their worst now sniping at Goose, right? Starting to hear mm -hmm. fans say, hey, have you heard of this? And posting whether it was a youtube link or just hey anyone ever heard of goose before something as innocuous as that was just torrents of criticism and insults and 
teasing and all that kind of stuff. And to be fair, and I know you guys are big fans, they they are in some ways easy targets like Peter's mustache alone. But on top of that, I'm wondering what it is that's so divisive about them among fish fans. Is it just a simple thing like Megan mentioned earlier, the way that it was when she was first getting into fish when Grateful Dead fans were kind of older and crotchety and getting a little bit of insecure about their ownership over the scene? That's how I see it. I think so. I mean, I remember being on Grateful Dead tour in 1995 and talking to people about fish because I was just really into fish, starting to get into fish then. And they said similar things about fish. You know, they were, they kind of went after what makes fish great. They were like, they're silly. You know, their lyrics have no emotional depth. They're only for young people. They, they, you know, they don't have this like long history. They're not old and wise, which is so funny because it's not even like the Grateful Dead were that old at the time. They just, Jerry just looked old, but then they would usually like <laughs> launch into some like monologue about Robert Hunter, you know, which I get. I love Robert Hunter, but I'm, I think that it's the same way now that people are like, say, you know, oh, goose, they're too pretty, they're they're too polished, you know, or they they kind of take what is best about it and attack it because, yeah, there's a sense of ownership. There's a sense of like, nothing's going to be as good as as my favorite band, which I think is just so silly, but it's interesting to me. And I think that that only happens, that level of like, I don't know, kind of vitriol only happens when they're really good and they're getting a lot of fans. You know, I think also that one thing I loved about the goose scene is the fan base is super fun and really welcoming in the same way that fish was to me. And I love that I've been able to meet so many people and everybody's really excited. It's just super high energy crowd. And I think that that is threatening to people. I think that people are worried about fish losing steam because there has been a lot of people who have been kind of saying, oh, well, I'm sick of seeing fish. I'm just going to see goose now. You know, and I think that that feels scary. I agree with all that. I think I think the only thing I would add, and I think this is something I've been thinking about a lot since we started these conversations and I've thought about a lot over the last year or so as, you know, I have friends who are huge fish fans who we've all jumped on the goose train and we see goose shows together. And I have friends who are, you know, planning trips out here multiple times a year to see both fish and to see goose because there's so many, you know, high quality shows that happen in the Denver area. But I also have friends who have no interest. And, I, you know, my, my brother-in-law, I've seen 35, 40 fish shows with him. One of my favorite people to see fish with. Cannot get him to get past the kind of surface level things that he just doesn't like about Goose. And so I've just stopped. I think ultimately it just, it comes down to, is it for you or is it not? And mm-hmm. I think it's it's really oftentimes as simple as that. Like, sure, there's a lot of hype around this band. There's a lot of hype around a lot of bands. And like, for me personally... I've tried with, you know, bands and I don't want to put anyone down. This is just like taste. I've tried with Twiddle. I've tried with Spafford. I've tried with pigeons playing ping pong. Um, I tried even with like Mo and with the disco biscuits. None of those bands have ever really done it for me where I felt like I have to listen to another show. I have to figure out what's going on. And so for me, it's just not something I really engage with. I've been to shows of those bands and like I've met people who think about, 
mow the same way that I think about fish and like they spend time collecting and curating tapes and making sure, you know, I've got this source from this taper and I, I have this second set because it's one of the best second sets I've ever heard. And I understand the context of where this show happens because it's, you know, around this period of evolution of the band's history, there's a lot of bands I just don't think about that with, and which was my initial kind of concern about getting into goose when I was first introduced was like, I don't have the capacity for this somehow I've made it. I don't know how, but my point is all like, I think it oftentimes comes down to just like as simple as something is for some people, something is not for other people. I've taken friends to fish shows who love the vibe of it. Couldn't care less about the music, have no interest in talking about the music. Just want to go for the vibe. I think that goose is similar to the, sentiment and the hype around vampire weekend when they first emerged in 2008 Mm. 2009 and there was this huge pushback because all the dudes are beautiful in that band every one of their songs is an earworm they seem to emerge out of you know thin air and be fully formed have enough money to market themselves, be playing these huge shows and the industry is being like, Hey, we love you guys more and more and more. And so I remember when Contra came out in 2010, there was this huge pushback against the band. And I I fell victim to like, does this band actually have it? For me, those songs connected with me more than, you know, almost any songs of the early 2010s and put me in a position where like, I just kept listening to that band over and over and over again. But I think for a lot of people, that perception because it's not for you, it makes you think that there's potentially something wrong with it. And Mm. I think at the end of the day, it may just come down to goose is really, really for some people and really, really not for other people. And that's Mm. full circle, right? That's why I'm here in a sense. I want to know what about it is for other people. And as I get into it, is it for me too? And just looking ahead to our next episode, to episode two, I just want to take a look at and let the audience know what's coming. So I am not completely oblivious to Goose's music. I've listened to a couple of tracks and I saw them live once. I saw them at that same show that Megan mentioned, night one of Radio City. I was not that impressed, to be honest, with their music. It did not blow me away. Part of that, and Megan, you alluded to this earlier, is that everybody I met, and this is anything but an insult, it is nothing but a compliment, Everybody I met told me how much fun and how great a time I'm going to have. It's the greatest. You're going to love them. They're amazing. So that combined with the surrounding hype just from osmosis, I didn't know what to expect because I hadn't heard a note before then. And so what I did hear, what I thought I heard, I was, by the way, Megan, you said you were just a couple rows back. I was Mm -hmm. a couple hundred rows back. I was like all the way up in the like double mezzanine and you know, I, I could hear, but it wasn't, it wasn't a up close oh, well, and personal Oh, that was experience. the problem then. Yeah, that you got to get, you got to sneak me up why. front next time. I got to get you up front. Yeah, stick with me. But my overall impressions and Goose fans listening, this is just straight from the horse's mouth. I want there to be a happy ending. But to me, a lot of the jams felt a little overly long. Some of them felt contrived. And I wondered what was the hype. I loved the talent and I loved the ability that this band had for what it was worth. I could not hear the lyrics. Like I couldn't hear the enunciation of the lyrics. So I wasn't listening to the songs per se. Uh, but I was just thinking, where is this band's personality? Where is the, uh, you know, it, it all, it all 
go this way. When I see a really good fish jam or any band for that matter, I, if I have to go to the bathroom or if I have to get a drink, I always say, you know what? I have to, but I can't miss this. I did not feel that once during Goose's three sets. And I kind of wanted to, I wanted to be in because of the vibe and the good times that everyone there was having. And I want to be like, all right, I want to be in on this. I want to know what's happening. And it didn't hit me right. So for episode two, Megan and Brian are going to give me a playlist of a bunch of live and studio, Brian. Yeah. Live and some studio. Cause uh, studio is kind of an important aspect of this band as we'll talk about in the next episode. Okay, so live and studio tracks for me to slosh around in my head, to shove into my ears and my brain hole, and just see if I come out. I don't expect to be a completely changed person, but I hopefully I could be a little bit more on the inside than I was before I listened. So today's episode, I have to thank both of you a trillion times over because you taught me so much that I didn't know. And I really do think when it comes to any sort of art, I touched on this earlier, whether it's music, oil paintings, ballet, it doesn't matter. Any sort of art context is key. You have to know when something was produced, why it was produced and what led to it becoming produced. And to me, learning about all the way back from them being in a bar with their drummer, looking at a phone up through selling out multiple nights at the Capitol Theater and Radio City Music Hall, if I had a crystal ball, I would suggest that MSG or slightly beneath it is probably not that far off uh, in their future. I might get some heat for that, but I don't think the hype is just that big. They are gaining and rising at such an exponential rate. But anyway, my point is I want to know more about them from the musical side. I feel like I'm pretty well received or well informed from the informational side so i look forward to what's next yeah maybe we can release the track list for everybody too in these show notes and they can listen too all right all right well brian last words for this i'm really excited to dive into uh the jams that we have presented and also you know as you probably noticed from a listening standpoint we kind of took a pause here at the end of 2020 The cool thing about this next episode is we're going to talk a lot about 2021 and early 2022 goose, which as a fan, this is like the meat of, of where, where Mm. things got really, really serious and really, really interesting. So you talk about wanting to have an idea of kind of musically where the band is going to musically, what the appeal is beyond the, they're good guys. They write good songs. We believe in them. We really like them. This is where that really starts to come into play. And I, I think that that discourse around the pandemic is ending live music is coming back does goose have a place outside of i'm just stuck in my house and there's a band on television that question starts to permeate in a lot of listeners uh ears and in their minds throughout the winter and early spring of 2021 and the band as we'll talk about really kind of like brush those questions aside and continue to take steps forward and steps forward um, in a really significant way that um, I, I just can't wait to get into. <laughs> well, I can't wait to I get know. it in my ears. Yeah. Right, I'm well, so excited to dive into this music with you guys. It's going to be so fun. Oh, well, Megan, thanks so much for taking the time. Brian, thanks so much for taking the time guys Absolutely. until next time. Thanks everyone. Thanks guys.
And that's it for today's episode of Flocking Outside or Attendance Bias. Either way, you want to look at it. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you to Brian and thank you to Megan for taking the time to help me understand what is going on with this goose phenomenon. And I'm really looking forward to episode two, where we dig a little bit deeper into goose from 2020 on, and especially the most important part of any band, the music. So please join us next week. I'll see you then.